Hi. Welcome to the CGB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Bob Irving about the Red Blacks Bomber game coming up. We're not a test of the athletic. Does he think the Jets championship window is closed? What? And we'll talk to Dave Lowry, Adam's dad. He's the new head coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Will Adam have to go to any games? You'll find out on the podcast. With Bob Irving joining me now. Bob, how are you tonight? I'm fine, Christian. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, been, we made a lot about the Bombers having not started 5-0 and since the 1960 season. What do you remember about the 1960 Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Not a thing, not a thing. I was a 10-year-old in Regina at that time, and I was just kind of getting into sports, although I have to say, I I believe at that age, Christian, I had started buying sports cards, football Mm. cards, hockey cards. Man, I bought them for years and years. I still have some vintage ones in my collection, some that are worth some money, as a matter of fact. But, no, I don't remember a lot about 19... Well, here's what I remember. I've heard about it. That team, I think, uh, didn't go to Mm 10-0, and then it it wound up uh, 14-2. and Correct. And lost the West Final. Correct. That was back in the day when it was a best of three. Yes. And yep. they, the the weirdest thing about that, just doing the the cursory research here, the final game was four two for Edmonton. Yeah. I well, again, I've I've heard the stories about that one, and uh, that was one of the more crushing losses for the Bombers because they had a terrific team that year mm-hmm. under Bud Grant. But uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't go your way when they play the playoffs although now it's sudden death isn't it back then you had three cracks at it and they had they did win a lot of titles kind of around that season so oh, yeah they was matter of fact didn't they win four in uh, five years yeah. with mr grant they did Charlie. pretty well they did okay yes yeah. but let's flash forward to this year's team trying to start five and oh they are 10 point favorites right now over the ottawa bread blacks and deservedly so there is an expectation that this is just a game the bombers are supposed to win right yeah clearly and and one that a you know, I'm sure they would say if if you could get them to speak those terms, they would say they expect to win this game. They this is a game they should win. Uh, the Red Blacks are struggling. They've lost their last two, 29-14 to the Bombers, and then 36-19 to Montreal. They've made uh, Christian seven lineup changes for this game tonight. Eight, as a matter of fact, including some very uh, key people. They've changed their quarterback. Now it'll be Jonathan Jennings who has. I would say more of a pedigree than Dom uh, Dom Davis, so that might be a positive move for them. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But they've lost uh, one of their top receivers, uh, J.R. Smith. He was their leading receiver, as a matter of fact. He's out of the game. Uh, they lost their safety. Antoine Pruno is a really, really good player. So they've uh, they've got some injuries to deal with, and uh, they will be. I would su- suspect facing an uphill battle tomorrow night. Well, you've seen a lot of Jonathan Jennings over the last four years in BC, most notably in that a crazy playoff game a couple of years back. This was a quarterback that a lot of people thought was really one of the next big things in the league, right? He threw for 5,200 yards in 2016, 27 touchdown passes. And yeah, I think we all thought he's going to be the next quarterback star, but his, his star faded pretty quickly. The following season, he struggled. And then he lost his job to to Travis Lule, and they kind of went back and forth. And it's always been kind of a mystery, Christian, what happened to him. He's got a terrific arm. Uh, He can run. The playoff game you're talking about with the 2016 West semifinal, uh, when the Bombers were ahead, but in the second half, they could not contain Jonathan Jennings running or passing. 
and he just rolled along and led uh, BC to victory. So uh, the Lions gave up on him at the end of last year with new management uh, there, and uh, now he's an Ottawa Red Black. But, uh, you know, three of the best games he's had in his career were against the Blue Bombers. His record isn't very good. He's 1-5 and five in regular season against the Bombers, but twice he's thrown for over 400 yards and another time for the high 300. So he's capable. He's very capable. Let's focus on the Bombers now. We'll hear from Mike O'Shea later in the show, but Chris Matthews played audio from him yesterday about how you know, he's frustrated. He wasn't really a big part of the 4-0 start, and he's not going to be, if they get a 5-0 start part of it either, he'll be on the sidelines again in street clothes. He's not on the active roster, even though he's healthy. The team, I guess, preferring uh, Kenny Lawler, even though Lawler has just three receptions this season? Well, clearly, they, uh, you know, Mike O'Shea kind of downplayed it today. We, he was asked if uh, Matthews was a healthy scratch, which is what he is. Uh, and Mike O'Shea said, well, you can use that term if you want. But uh, he said, we've got a lot of good receivers, and they do, Christian. That's what it basically comes down to. Uh, they like Kenny Lawler. They've liked him since day one of training camp. Uh, he works hard. He, he shows up for practice. He hasn't been hurt at all. Uh, they like everything about him. Now, he doesn't have great numbers, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, he made a big catch in that game last week, although he got up and thought he'd been down, and he just dropped the ball on the turf, and it mm. resulted in a fumble, and that really embarrassed him. He'll talk about that in our pregame show tomorrow night. But at this point, it's elementary. The Bombers feel they are better off with Kenny Lawler in their receiving core than they are with Chris Matthews. And Chris, of course, has only played two games. He was injured a lot at training camp. He got hurt uh, early in that game in Ottawa two weeks ago. So he's not as familiar and as in sync and really as in shape, I guess, as Kenny Lawler would be. And so you, you put all that together and they just feel at this point they're better off going with Kenny Lawler. And I know from a fan perspective, it's like, you know, why when Chris Matthews is healthy, why is he not in the lineup? He was one of their top offseason signings. And it's a legitimate question, but... You know, the the coaches feel right now Lawler is the guy they should go with. Well, and the reality is they've been hitting so many big plays with a lot of their receivers, Darvin Adams, Nick Dembski, Lucky Whitehead, and they don't complete a ton of passes because they do, they'd rather hit big plays than maybe dink and dunk down the field, but that's why we're seeing numbers that aren't as big for someone like Lawler. That offense right now is, is not an issue for this team. No, it's not. And, you know, it can always get better. It's like they say over there every day when we talk to them, we can always be better. And certainly they can. Uh, but there's no great concerns about the offense right now. They're happy with the way it's functioning. They're happy with the job Lawler is doing, even though his numbers, you know, don't show it at this point. He's a, he's a tall guy with big hands. Uh, Matt Nichols was raving about him today when he was asked about him in uh, the post walkthrough scrum. So, yeah, they're just going to go with what they got. You know, why break up a winning hand, I guess, to some degree is what it comes down to. But, look, I think Chris Matthews will he'll be in the lineup at some point, and he certainly has the ability to make an impact. He's only 29 years old. You know, people want to compare it to Darius Bowman, who they signed as a free agent last year. Well, Darius was probably at the end of the line at 33 or 34. You know, Matthews is only 29, and he should still have a lot of miles in his engine. So I don't think we've seen, you know, even – for a moment, the last of Chris Matthews. Now, another player drawing into the lineup tomorrow is Kenny Walker coming off the yeah. practice roster to fill the spot where Charles Nelson, who has been returning punts and kicks, he's on the injured list now. You think Kenny Walker might be faster than Lucky Whitehead? <laughs> well, first of all, you know, you hate to lose a guy like Nelson because he had such a big game last week, and, and he has the 
the makings of a really good returner. But Kenny Walker, from the day he arrived at training camp, has you know turned heads with his speed. Uh, and he was joking around today about whether or not he or Lucky Whitehead are the fastest guys on the team. And neither would say I am or the other one is. You know, I think they both feel that they are. But he caught a long touchdown pass in a preseason game. Christian, I don't know if you remember or not, but he just ran away from people. And, uh, yeah, he has tremendous speed. Now, he's going to return kicks, which he hasn't done since high school and his junior year in college. But he said, you know, I'm okay. I can return. Well, we'll see. Returning kicks is, you know, speed's a great thing to have, but there's more to it than that, as we all know. Uh, but I'm fascinated to see him back there. You know, if he can get some sort of a crease or get around a corner, look out because he has got similar, if not, if not mm. superior speed to Lucky Whitehead. Is, and it's the speed that's really jumping out for me for this team. Is this the fastest team you've ever seen the Blue Bombers field? Well, those two guys in particular, and then you throw Charles Nelson in there for sure, uh, you know, and uh, Rashid Bailey, who's on their practice roster, another receiver, has great speed. Walatarski, you know, speed's not his forte. Dembski has speed. Uh, Darvin Adams, I think, has uh, sort of speed that is not properly respected. It's kind of a, a misleading how fast he is because he's fast. He can get behind people and get away from them. So, yeah, I don't recall a receiving core in total that had as much speed as this one does. Now, Matthews, of course, his forte is not speed. He will bring you size and the ability to go up and high point a ball and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, that might be something that they feel they need uh, down the road and before too long. But right now, speed is very much a part of what they do on offense. And one last note before I let you go, the defense. It looks like Adam Bigel probably won't play again. I don't see him playing. I know they're going to once again leave it to the last minute, but he hasn't practiced for three weeks, three weeks. So this injury is kind of lingering, and uh, I just don't see putting him on the field to play a full game unless he's had one practice at least. This is a linebacker, not an offensive lineman. I think you could do that with an offensive lineman, but with a linebacker who's ranging all over the field, uh, I don't see that. Uh, You know, the defense has played all right. It's funny, Richie Hall, and you, I think, ran the audio Mm -hmm. the other night. Christian Richie Hall was really unhappy with the play <laughs> last week. And I said, Richie, you gave up six points in the first half. He said, yeah, I know. He said, but we were making mistakes left and right. And in the second half, Toronto really capitalized on them. And the players have all said that, that they thought they played very poorly on defense last week. So they feel they've got uh, some making up to do in this game tomorrow night. But I guess if you're a championship team, that's what you got to say, right? High standard, high bar. It's been that way here now for the last uh, three years. I think it gets higher every year. It's higher now than it's ever been. Yeah, and that's great. That's what you want. Today on The Athletic, Radatesh has written a long article called Charting Winnipeg's Path Back to Being a Stanley Cup contender. And without spoiling too much, joined now by Murad Atesh. Murad, I appreciate you joining me tonight. Hey, I love to be here. Thanks for having me, Christian. So... The long, detailed article here on The Athletic, I would implore people to go check it out. You you use a number of criteria to check to see if Winnipeg could be a contender again. The window, it's not as open as it has been, right? That's right. Uh, Craig Custins at The Athletic earlier this week with some help from some numbers folk like Dom Luce, Chishin, and Max Boltman put together sort of their version of criteria that makes a team a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, one of those is simply making it to the conference finals in any given year, which the Jets did in 2017-18. 
Um, but there's actually a multitude of factors that they look at, such as possession metrics, how well a team does at five on five, special teams, uh, some schedule adjusted stuff to try to deal with moments like when you have to go to Finland and back and the rest of your season is compressed. And they came up with six metrics. Meet four of them, you're a Stanley Cup contender. Winnipeg did that in 2017-18 uh, and absolutely didn't last year. That's probably not news to a lot of Jets fans in that uh, we saw a lot of underachieving, a lot of underperformance. And the purpose of this article is to look at all of the different reasons and aspects from injuries and scheduling to underperformance to certain players to coaching effects uh, that sort of allowed Winnipeg to take a step back and then evaluate, you know, how soon is this team going to be good again? And that was the purpose of the article and all those many, many words, thank you for reading it, Christian, that went up today. So just a couple questions on the the analytics part of this, just because some people might not know. When you say top five in the league in goals, four percentage or five on five expected goals, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, bounces affect hockey in an awful lot of ways. Anybody who's played hockey will know that. Sometimes you can be in the other team's end of the entirety of a game and, you know, a post here, a great save there. And the better team doesn't necessarily always win. But over the course of an entire season, some of those bounces try to, or sorry, tend to even out over the course of 82 games. So what you do, um, if you look at shot counts, or if you look at shot attempts, which is a shot or a missed shot, and then you give it a, um, a metric of quality, which is what an expected goal is. It's saying, well, if you shoot from the slot, it's better than a shot from a blue line. If you shoot from the slot, it's better than a shot from behind the net. If you have a one-timer, it's a better shot. And it's just a, it's a numerical way to try to say that not shot is created equal and teams with a lot of shot quality as measured by expected goals generally that leads to wins and it generally predicts wins even better than wins do it generally predicts wins even better than uh, goal differential does and it's one of the reasons why we use that to evaluate teams at five on five and the five on five play for the winnipeg jacks one of the big reasons they took a step back last year yeah, exactly that. Even after the, the first half of the season, Winnipeg got off to a great start overall. Even after the first half of the season, the team went from a top five team at five on five to 15th, 16th, 17th, depending on what metric you were looking at. And if you divide the game up and you, and you use the numbers, but also you pull out the video and you just watch the games all over again, what you see is that Winnipeg's power play was absolutely dominant. It was keeping the team in games and it was flat out winning games for them. And the other situation that, uh, that developed was Laurent Brassois flat out stole some games for the Winnipeg Jets. So they stormed out to a wonderful record over the first four months of the season, but there were cracks. And then over the second half, once you lose Buffalo and once you lose Morrissey, Ehlers, all of those sorts of things compound. Um, and suddenly there's a lot of reasons for this team to not necessarily be as good as it was a year ago. And injuries was something that the team did deal with back in their great 2017-18 season too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that team lost Shifley for a ton of games. Blake Wheeler was playing center during that. Bufflin was out for chunks there, too. Toby Enstrom was gone. Jacob Truba was gone. If you actually add it all up, um, the 2017-18 team missed more games from key players oh, wow. and more, more games from players with large cap hits. When we use cap hits to try to say, well, okay, if he has a bigger cap hit, he's probably a more important player. So 2017-18 was more affected by injuries than 2018-19 was, which is kind of strange because that team just kept rolling over their opponents, didn't they? Right down the stretch, the 2017-18 Jets just kept winning and kept dominating teams, five-on-five special teams, whatever part of the game it was, they were great. So injuries were real last season. It's just tough to say that they were everything. And to look at their window, we also probably have to take into account the fact that the division around them is changing a lot, especially teams like Colorado, Dallas, they're getting better. Chicago's making a lot of moves. It's going to be harder to win in the Central, don't you think? 
Oh my goodness! Did a lot of teams ever take steps forward? And, uh, and and certainly Winnipeg did well not to overspend in free agency. And there's there's no free no movement clauses going around. There's no major mistakes to, to Winnipeg's off season. Um, I, I'm underwhelmed certainly by the Jacob Truba return, and Jacob Truba is going to be a big missing piece. But the thing, the fact is, just like you said, the the division's getting better. It's going to be tougher to come by those wins for sure. And meanwhile, the Jets are gambling that all of, or at least multiple of, Neil Pionk, Tucker Pullman, Sammy Niku are going to take steps forward. And Dmitry Kulikov, from this point, they're banking on him to be healthy for the full season. Uh, there's some question marks for sure heading into next year. I know we've talked about this before, but are you surprised that Kulikov's still on the team? Um, given the depth chart where it is right now, I think they need an NHL veteran defenseman. And I think that the, the Jets believe that uh, a healthy offseason for Kulikov is going to lead him back to being a strong third pairing option. Uh, he didn't come into last season healthy. And, and I know that the, I mean, the team's quotes around Kulikov were actually very positive throughout the season. I, I honestly, by my eye, I didn't think he played tremendously well. Even I thought maybe he came back a little bit soon coming into play in Finland. Um, Here's what happens, though. It's a, a bit of a, uh, we've talked about this before, but a bit of uh, a rule under the CBA. After Pionk and Cops situations get resolved, and I guess Pionk is likely to be the latest one in arbitration, Winnipeg's going to have another window where they might be able to buy Kulikov out. And if the team thinks it can replace him with or, um, you know, sign somebody else or make a move or something like that, it might make sense to save his cap it. Otherwise, he's a Winnipeg Jet for one more season. Well, and there's not like there's a lot of other options out there. I know they're going to the the well farm wise for guys like Niku Pullman. Uh, they're not super deep in that regard right now. And I don't know who who's all out there still free agent wise if they decide to actually get rid of Kulikov with a buyout. Yeah, I mean Jake Gardner is probably the most uh, most famous name coming him, out though. of Toronto. And I, I agree with you there. I think it would take a lot of flexibility and you'd have to buy Kulikov out and then make probably a secondary move to, to fit him in if you're going to sign Line and Connor and Pionk and, and Kopp as, as still needs to be done. So that's tough. I, I don't see any um, you know magic bullets out there in free agency for the Jets. Uh, there's been rumors about uh, Julius Honka being available from Dallas or what have mm. you. I'm not sure that that's a, an instant fix either for the team and it's okay to have a season where development of young defensemen is key. And I mean, I mean, we might see Cameron Schilling if injuries hit, end up in the NHL again, we might see uh, a lot of movement between the Moose and the Jets. That's not a bad thing necessarily, but it is a challenge and it does make it harder to win. Uh, I think it's a year of development on the Jets blue line and that could cost the team some games. Well, and this team, their MO since day one has been, you know, they've been trying to get there with the guys they have and I don't know if it's any more clear that that's the case than this year where they haven't really made any big signing at all. I mean, Mark Letestu, Anthony Batetto, no offense, but that's pretty much it so far in free agency for the team. Yeah, good human beings as far as, you know, journalists I've spoken to in other cities go. I, nothing but positive things to say about them as people, but um, both players have played substantial time in minor leagues in the last couple of seasons, and um, they're not necessarily the magic bullets either around the Jets. I think it was important for the team to come out without any major cap problems from this summer, and, and that was something achieved. It doesn't make the team better immediately, but it, once Kulikov's contract runs out and then perhaps a year from now, Actually, Brian Little's contract changes from a full no movement, which means you can't move him in any way to, to a modified no trade clause and make him available for the Seattle expansion draft. All these things down the line. I'm not saying the team's looking to get rid of Brian Little, but there's an expensive contract there. And then Matthew Paroli, one year closer to unrestricted free agency as well. Um, the team's not in a perfect spot right now, but there aren't a lot of hangups holding them back other than just getting the young stars signed this summer. 
Last question for you, Murat. Is Paul Maurice coaching for his job this year? I think that a, a terrible season, like a, a poor, let's say the, the first four months of this season go as well as the last four months of last season, I think so, then yes, that job is on the line. Um, I think that a team, a Winnipeg Jets team that flirts with the playoffs, uh, playoff cutoff line, I think Paul Maurice is, is fine. And I think that the organization believes in him to do that. So um, <laughs> believe me, uh, I, I think that sewering results could sewer what I just said, but, okay. uh, but I think that he's doing all right. All right, Murad, I appreciate your time as always. Good article. Love talking to you. Thanks very much. So last night we had uh, Darren Ritchie on the show, the new general manager of the Brandon Wheat Kings. He said one of his first tasks would be to hire a new head coach. Well, today the team named Dave Lowry head coach. Spent six seasons in the past behind the bench in the WHL. One incredible season with the Calgary Hitmen. Five more pretty good seasons with the Victoria Royals before spending the last two seasons as an assistant with the LA Kings. And yes, he's also the dad of Winnipeg Jets center Adam Lowry. And Dave joins me now on the CGOB Sports Show. Congrats on the gig, Dave. How does it feel to be coming back to the WHL? I'm excited. Um, Obviously, great opportunity and uh, very fortunate to to be able to come in, work with uh, Darren, and, uh, you know, partner with Kelly. And uh, I guess you've, you've coached a lot in the junior ranks before, but is there any kind of just quick learning curve to get back into that after spending some time in the NHL? I don't think so. I, you know, the coaching's coaching, and for me, I, I'm, I'm excited again to, to manage, a, manage a group and, and uh, to put together and work with our staff to – put together a plan and there's nothing there's not a better feeling when you're coaching and, and you watch your plan come to fruition what is it uh, that you love so much about coaching junior hockey specifically well, i think the biggest thing is is the influence that you can have on on these young men uh not only as, as players but as individuals and and you can watch the growth of them and, and the maturity and how how they grow from the start to the finish and, and uh, just watching them develop is real exciting. I know you said coaching is coaching, but is there anything kind of different from the NHL that you can take and apply to the junior game? Really, uh, the fundamental part of the game is, is the same. Uh, I think the biggest difference is when you're, when you're coaching here in junior, you have to make sure that the kids are home at night. They're getting up, they're going to school, they're eating properly and, and their life is in a good place. When when you're dealing with professionals, when they leave the rink, they go home to their families, and that that that's the biggest difference for me. Right. And uh, what do you think about now having a rival inside of the province? You got the Winnipeg Ice coming in for the first time. What do you think that rivalry will be like? Well, great timing. I think this is this is great. Uh, junior hockey is all about uh, rivalries and building them. But uh, once you build them, you it's always nice to be on the. Uh, the top end of the rivalry. And I think the big thing is, is it's exciting. It's good for the province and uh, it really creates uh, a very big interest. And uh, Kelly Moore here has done the research. You'll be in Winnipeg, I think for two games while the jets are at home. So will there be, will Adam uh, make an appearance at any of the games there? I certainly hope so. (laughs) Um, I, I understand how, how busy they are. I understand their schedule. Um, it won't be mandatory, but it will be strongly encouraged. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And 
was that a part of this at all to, you know, be, be able to coach, you know, just a couple hours down the road from where your son plays hockey? Is that just an added perk? I think that's an added perk. And, and, uh, if, if you do know Kelly at all, that was something that uh, he did bring to my attention early on in, in this process. But, uh, what it does is it affords you an opportunity to, to watch maybe a couple of games more live, but, Reality is, is our schedule is it's busy, and uh, there, there isn't a lot of time during the winter to watch the games. But you'll still be catching them on TV when you can, right? Well, we watch all the games on TV, and that is something that uh, you know I've been on the West Coast here for the last seven years in the winter time, and that that was always a nice uh, added perk was two three hour time change. You you get to watch a lot of hockey and. Uh, not only Adam, but uh, he's got a brother and a sister that uh, that play as well. Now, you played for the St. Louis Blues for a number of years, played for a number of franchises, but was there any pride in seeing the Blues finally lift the cup this past summer? Well, when you're working and you're coaching against them, no. Okay. And it, uh, <clears throat> I think it's a team that you can have strong dislike for just because of the way they play the game. And I say a strong dislike respectfully because they, they play the game bank heavy and hard. And, uh, but there is, a, there is a soft side when it comes down and there's two teams left. St. Louis is a great city. It's a great sports city. The Blues are a, a great franchise, and I think it was only uh, fitting and deserving that they won. But now that you're out of the uh, NHL ranks again, you're going to have a pretty clear team that you're going to cheer for? Well, I think it's back to, to one team. And I think we all know who that is. Yeah, just down the road of Brandon, right? That's correct. <laughs> all right, Dave, I appreciate you taking a couple minutes to talk to me today. Uh, best of luck as you head into the, your first season with the Wheat Kings. Thanks so much. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?